0: Thanks for tuning in to the Central Church Podcast. We exist to introduce people to Jesus and help them follow Him. To learn more about Central, access tons of content, and find the location nearest you, download our Central Church app. But for now, we hope you enjoy this message, and we're so glad you could join us today. All right, you guys have a seat. Good to see you this morning. Heading into Thanksgiving week. It's awesome. Glad you're here. Way to go making it to church. Hey, have you ever found yourself in the middle of a mess? (laughs) Some of you just getting together with family this week is going to feel like you're in the middle of a mess, right? We all know what it is to navigate mess. In our lives. I remember when my my daughter was born, our firstborn child, and we brought her home from the hospital, and she was like the greatest miracle that ever happened in our lives. If you're a parent, you understand that moment, right? When your kid comes into the world, and it's like your whole world changes. She was amazing, right? We brought her home, and Lori had had a really tough delivery, and so she was on bed rest for six weeks, which meant I was on diaper duty for six weeks straight, 100%. And it started, don't celebrate that, Lori. What are you? (laughs) And so early on, I remember like, I took Emma into the little nursery. Now, the nursery for us was a mess. Getting that thing ready. We had remodeled this old house. It was built in like 1916. And um, you know, we had redone every aspect of it. And we had already painted the room that was to become the nursery. You hear what I'm saying? It was already done. And then we found out we were having a girl. And Lori decided, I want to change the color of the nursery, but I'm done. I'm retired. I'm like, no, we already painted that room. We're finished. It's done. And we went round and round and round. And this is when I finally, this is why it's good to be in the church. It's good to make friends in the church. You need people in the church who are a little older than you, who are a little wiser than you, who've been down the road, who share your faith and share your values because they can save you a lot of pain. Okay. Okay. I sat down with a, a guy who was older in the church that had been down the road a little bit, and I was kind of you know, early in marriage and just having our first child, and I said, look, man, we're at an impasse. Lori wants to paint the nursery. I don't want to paint the nursery. The nursery's fine. Kids all over the world are born in horrible environments. These, this child's gonna be born in a perfect environment. Everything's great. There's no need to paint the nursery, and finally, he just set his fork down. We were having breakfast, and he leaned up, and he gave me the greatest marital advice I've ever received, and if you've been around Central, I think I say this about once a quarter. He said, Judd, listen, in marriage you can be right or you can be happy, you can't be both at the same time. And then he goes, paint the nursery. Took another bite and I'm like, okay, there it is, right? So I painted the nursery, all I'm saying is the nursery was awesome. It was beautiful. I took our little child in there, our little miracle child. I set her on, uh, on the little changing table, and because I didn't know what I was doing, I made the first rookie mistake. I took the existing diaper off without having the new diaper ready to go. Now, any parent knows, especially if you have little boys. Listen, if you, if you, for, I'm help you out right here. I'm going to save you some pain right here. If you have little boys and you don't have that new diaper ready to throw over the old diaper, you better get ready for some waterworks, people. That's what I'm talking about, right? So, anyway, I got, here's my little Emma, my little precious Emma. I don't know what I'm doing. I take the diaper off. I'm like, where's the diapers? You know, I'm trying to find the new diaper. I get the new diaper and then I grab both of her little legs because I'm going to lift her up so that I can put the diaper underneath her. And when I lifted her up. I didn't realize I was like lifting up a loaded cannon. (laughs) What happened next was apocalyptic people. I mean it was it was everywhere the wall behind the dresser the floor it was like an explosion. By the way Emma if you're watching this online from college I love you very much and I'm sorry. (laughs) See you for Thanksgiving. I had a miracle and I had a mess. And a lot of times miracles and messes go together, right? Some of you are in a mess right now. Some of you are in a school mess. Man, you feel overwhelmed with school, you're not sure you're gonna get it done, you're starting to doubt your own abilities, you're losing your self-confidence, you're just in the middle of a mess. Some of you feel like you're in a mess with your schedule, you're overworked and overcommitted, and man, it feels like you're taking care of all these people around you, and maybe you're even getting a little bitter towards some of these people, like they're not realizing all that you're doing for them, and they're not very grateful for all that you're doing for them. Some of you right now, with, um, with your future, it just feels like a mess. You're looking out, you're not sure what's coming, what's going to happen. You don't feel like your best days are still ahead of you. It just feels messy. Let me just say it. This afternoon, the Dallas Cowboys are playing the New England Patriots. It, I, it's, I don't think it's going to go well, people. I'm already feeling messy about this whole thing. But here's the good news today. Your mess is the perfect environment for your miracle. Your mess is the perfect environment for your miracle because what God often does, and we've been looking at it over the last several weeks, he meets us in the middle of the mess, right? And it's in the mess that he does his greatest work often in our lives. Sometimes you got to walk through the mess to get to your miracle. And I wanna talk to you today, if you're in the middle of a mess, how we can move through that mess to experience what God wants to do in our hearts and in our lives. Now, we've been wrapping up this teaching series called I Need a Miracle. The last six weeks, we've been looking at the seven core miracles in the Gospel of John. Now, John, I mean, Jesus did dozens and dozens of miracles, um, uh, almost three dozen individual miracles are listed out in the Gospels, uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, as well as lots of verses that talk about Jesus doing uh, uh, miracles in general. So he did a lot of miracles, but John only selects seven core miracles or signs to point us to who Jesus is. And some scholars and commentators have said you can kind of outline a good portion of the book of John just around these seven core miracles. So we've been looking at them, and let's just do a little review here since we're wrapping it up. The first miracle was was Jesus' first miracle, which was water into wine. And we said God can not only convert water into wine, he can convert uh, sinners into saints, he's still in the life change business. He can convert those which are who are hopeless into those who are filled with hope. He still changes lives. Then, um, what's actually the third miracle in John, but it was the second week, because we skipped one of the healing miracles to jump to this healing miracle. We looked at the healing of the lame man, and we said, Jesus is over whatever you are under. And you can stand up in the miracle, and maybe the greatest miracle of all is what God wants to do in us, more than what God simply will do for us. All right, we, uh, we, then we looked at the, what's the fourth miracle on week three, the loaves and fishes. We said Jesus multiplies your little into enough. And then on um, the next week, we looked at walking on water. We said peace is found in the presence of God, not the absence of storms. We talked about that and how that works out in our life. Last week, Pastor Sean gave an amazing message on uh, the restoring of sight to a man born blind. By the way, you should watch that message online. It was so good. I texted Sean. I watched it. I was like, Sean, you should take this on the road, bro. This is like roadworthy. Um, God could restore whatever is broken. Amazing message. And this week, we're gonna look, we're gonna wrap it up. We're gonna look at week six, the seventh sign, and it is Jesus raising his friend Lazarus from the dead. Now, this is a fascinating story. Uh, Jesus is friends with this guy Lazarus and his sisters, Mary and Martha, it's quite likely when he was in their neighborhood that part of the of the of town he would stay in their home they were friends they were very close and so when mary and martha realized that their brother lazarus is very sick they basically send jesus the ancient version of a text message they're like hey bro jesus Lazarus is really sick, and they just expect he's gonna come and fix it and make it right, You know, step in. So here's what we see, this is the way we do it at Central, I'll read this out loud, when we get to the Red Word, read it out loud here with me, it's how we make sure everybody's awake. So check this out, it says, John 11:3. three, it says, so the two sisters sent a message to Jesus telling him, Lord, your dear friend is very sick. See how they worded that? <laughs> Jesus just said, it's not just a guy that's sick, it's your dear friend, right? Your dear friend's very sick. But when Jesus heard about it, he said, Lazarus's sickness will not end in death. No, it happened for the glory of God so that the Son of God will receive glory from this. I just wanna pause there. Jesus basically already knows what he's gonna do. Right, he says it right there. It's not gonna end in death, I'm gonna heal. This is not over, right? But then I want you to read this next sentence. So although Jesus loved Martha, Mary, and Lazarus, he what? Stayed where he was for the next two days. Bro! When your friend is sick, when it's bad, when it could go from bad to even worse, you don't stay for the next two days. And that's why I think John, not only here, but several times in the story, reiterates again and again that Jesus did love them, even though he stayed. In other words, there was more going on and Mary and Martha can't see it. They're in the middle of a mess. They're trying to navigate Lazarus's illness and it goes from bad to worse. They're actually in the middle of a miracle, but they don't know it. Some of you right now today, I believe you're in the middle of a miracle in your life, but you don't know it. All you see is the mess, right? You look around and man, you're like, I don't know, I don't understand. It doesn't make any sense. I don't know why we're in this situation, right? You may not understand what God is doing in the moment, but listen, when you're in the middle, first thing is you just have to keep going. Keep going in the middle. You have to keep going in the middle. How many, uh, how many of you were the middle child? Any, any mid, middle, middle children in the family? Okay, yeah, very good, very good. Uh, how, many, how many of you were um, the firstborn? Who, firstborns? Yeah, okay. You know what they say about firstborns, right? You know, like. You've been bossing your siblings around their whole life and then you start bossing people around Then you eventually boss your spouse around. A lot of you get paid to be in leadership so you can boss people around, right? That's firstborns, man, they're on it. They're leaders, they know what to do, right? How many of you are the babies of the family? Any babies? Yeah, all right, I'm a baby. You know what they say about the babies of the family, like we get to we kind of get the slack. We get to do whatever we want. Our parents like retire right, before we, before we become of age. You know, like if you're a firstborn, you didn't get to do anything, man. You had to eat your vegetables. You're a baby of the family. You gotta figure out how to make your own peanut butter and jelly sandwich, man. It's on you, right? There's like three pictures of me my entire childhood because my parents just retired. They quit, man. Got all the photos of those earlier kids, you know? You know, they say about middle children. They say that middle children are actually um, really great negotiators. They 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 know how to help people get along, right? You know, some of you are like, yeah, that's been my whole life from my siblings all the way down. Right? Like they they sometimes they're good peacemakers. You know, like they they help people kind of come together in that. But I also read one study that said um, second children, especially boys tend to have a leniency, a a, a leaning to have more trouble with the law. Somebody right now is like, it all makes sense now. (laughs) Hey, it's hard to be in the middle, right? It's hard to be in the middle. And Mary and Martha right now, they're in the middle. They're in the middle. Lazarus is sick, no Jesus. Lazarus dies, no Jesus. They put Lazarus in a tomb. No Jesus, didn't we send Jesus a message, right? Didn't we reach out to our friend? Isn't he our friend? People, friends come and mourn with them. No Jesus, they're in the middle and they don't know what's going on. And it's interesting, the Bible reiterates that that Lazarus was, was dead for four days because there was sort of this Jewish idea in the ancient world that If a person was dead for three days, their soul was still sort of hovering around their body, like like a miracle could still happen. But after four days, you were like dead, dead, really dead. And guess what? It's on day four that Jesus comes rocking up into town. What's up? Like. Can you imagine that moment? I mean, it's, I know it's Jesus. That's probably disrespectful, I'm sorry, Lord. I'm just, I'm just saying, like, like in the moment, you had to feel, right? Like, okay, Jesus, we love you and all, but bro, you're late. You are late. Uh, in fact, John chapter 11, verse 21, Martha, one of the sisters, says this to Jesus. Look at this, uh, Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if only you had been where? Here. If only you had got here sooner. If only you had made that journey sooner. If only you had been here, then my brother would not have died. But you were late. You ever felt like God is late? You ever had a situation in your life where man, you cry out to God, and, and you're trying to believe, and you're trying to walk in faith, and it just sounds like silence coming back, like nothing's really moving or happening, and, and you just like, man, does God really even care? Listen, if he cared, he would have shown up before the divorce. If he cared, he would have shown up before the abuse. If he cared, he would have shown up before the bankruptcy. If he cared, he would have shown up before the lies and the deception. If he cared, he would have shown up before they said that about me, even though it wasn't true sometimes we look around at our circumstances and we're confused but we got to remember we're just in the middle we're in the middle we might be in the middle of a miracle we don't know but we're in the middle and here's what I want to encourage you with God's love is always present in your life whether you feel it or sense it or see it it's present even when you're in the middle even when you're in the middle And so, in this situation, Mary, Martha, in fact, that's why John says, Jesus loved them, but he stayed for a couple days. There's a bigger thing going on here. And I think the challenge for us right now, for those of us sort of in the middle of a mess, is to not frame up our view of God based on what we see in our mess, but to frame up our mess based on what we see in the Bible to shape our, that shapes our view of God. In other words, let God shape your perspective of your circumstances rather than letting your circumstances shape your perspective of God. It may seem like he's late, but God, is, he hasn't abandoned you. God knows what he's doing. God's still got the whole world in his hand. It may feel like he's late, but he hasn't turned his back on you. It may feel like he's late, but he still has a plan. It may feel like he's late, but he still loves you. Don't you dare interpret this situation you're in as evidence that God doesn't love you. Jesus loved them, but he stayed. There's a lot we don't understand. You got to trust God's love even when you don't understand his timing. And so I don't know where you're in the middle today, but if you're in the middle, you just got to keep going. Mary and Martha had to learn. keep going. You just got to keep trusting, keep going, keep believing. Listen, if you're in the middle of infertility, you keep going. If you're in the middle of cancer, you keep going. Some of you are in the middle of trying to pay off debt and it's hard and it's difficult. You keep going. Somebody's in the middle today of a divorce. You keep going. Somebody's in the middle of feeling like your business isn't gonna go and everything's sort of crashing back down on you. You keep going. Some of you are in the middle right now of a discrimination where you feel like people are judging you based on things they shouldn't be judging. In you for, and you're having to carry that burden. You keep going. What do you do in the middle? Listen, you gotta walk through the middle. You gotta go through the mess to get to the miracle. So you just keep walking in faith. You keep going in faith. You keep trusting God isn't finished. Keep going in the middle. Second thought is this, keep believing in the miracle. Keep believing in the miracle. You know, um, all of us before we had kids, If 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 you've had kids, uh, we were very idealistic, right? Then you have kids and all your values get tested. I saw this one guy, he did this post, thought it was pretty funny. He says, me pre-kids, I'm never going to lie to my kids ever. I'm telling you right now, there's a a pre-kid person looking at me like, yeah, that's right. (laughs) Then look at this, me with kids. I just got off the phone with Santa, the firefighter dog from Paw Patrol and the Green Power Ranger, and they all agree, if you don't put your shoes on, they're going to have to take down another unicorn. <laughs> it's all good until you find yourself in the moment, right? and then it's survival. One of my favorite stories was how I used to watch kids in the grocery store aisle, and they'd have the total grocery store meltdown. If you haven't experienced it yet, you will. But. I remember standing there looking at those parents and thinking, you guys are horrible parents. You need to get control of your kids. Man, what is, this is the problem with the world. This, right here, this is flailing on the ground stuff. Deal with your stuff. Right? And then I had kids. <laughs> and then I'll never forget Albertson Albertsons standing in the aisle, just standing there, and my little two-year-old flapping around on the ground like a fish right? And I remember that punk person looking at me with the stink eye, you know? And I'm like, shut up, turn around, man. I'm trying to deal with something right here. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm in over my head. Anybody relate to me? You know what I'm saying? Yes. All right. All I'm saying is, it's one thing to have high ideals. It's another thing when those high ideals get tested with reality, right? And uh, kids are a great blessing, by the way, if you haven't had kids. You're like, I don't know, man. I'm not even sure I wanna do this now. (laughs) No, they're awesome. They're awesome. But once you have them, it's about survival. (laughs) Anyway. um, You know, when you go back to John (laughs) chapter 11 all of a sudden, like all of Mary and Martha's values, all that they believe gets tested by the fact that their brother has died and is in the tomb, and Jesus, who's healed all these people he doesn't even really know, doesn't show up to heal his guy, Lazarus, like his, his friend. And so in the midst of this conversation, Jesus tells Martha, he says, hey, Lazarus will live. And she thinks, well, yeah, okay, like at the end of time, when everybody rises from the dead, Lazarus will live, right? It's like a long-term miracle. And then Jesus clarifies in John 11, verse 25. Check this out. John eleven twenty-five. 25, Jesus told her, I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live, even after dying. And everyone who lives uh, in me and believes in me will never, ever die. And then look at this. Do you, what? Believe this, Martha. Do you believe this? It's what I call the resurrection question. Do you believe Jesus is the resurrection and the life? Do you believe that he not only rose from the dead, but that he can bring things to life in your heart and in your life today? Do you believe he can bring hope to your marriage? Do you believe he can bring hope to your depression? Do you believe he can bring hope and light to the challenging situation you find yourself in? Do you believe he's still working? Do you believe he's still doing miracles? Do you believe he's still showing up in unexpected ways? Do you believe he's still changing people's lives? Do you believe he's still flipping the script, right? Do you believe he's still like flushing the rap sheet? Do you believe Jesus? Jesus is still working and moving in miraculous ways in our world today. That's the question for us. Do you and Jesus did not ask her this question after the miracle, but before the miracle, right? Do you believe this? Do you believe this despite all the evidence to the contrary right now, Martha? Do you believe it as we stand in front of the tomb of your brother who's not only dead but buried? Do you believe it when you're disappointed, when your expectations crash to the ground, when you aren't sure what God is doing anymore in your life? Do you believe this? And um, Jesus basically says, look, I'm gonna prove it to you. He goes up to the tomb, and he tells them to roll away the stone. Which, One of my favorite verses in the King James Version, it says, no, Jesus, it stinketh. So good. It's like, hey, man, that dude's been dead for four days. It's going to be nasty up in here. We roll that stone back. Like, I'm talking about stank. Bad. It stinketh. Don't do it. Jesus says, roll it back. They roll the stone back. Here's what we see. It says, then Jesus prays. Then it says in verse 43, then Jesus shouted, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out, his hands and feet bound in grave clothes, his face wrapped in a headcloth. And Jesus told them what? Unwrap him and let him go. This is such a powerful miracle. We don't really know what happened in Lazarus' life after this moment. This is kind of the last moment that we have much insight into his life. But Jesus not only helps him rise, but helps him become free. He would have been wrapped in these grave clothes, strips of cloth that he would have been buried in that would have kept him hemmed in. And I think this is a powerful picture of what God wants to do in all of our lives. On the one hand, the Bible says that before we came to faith in Christ, that we were spiritually dead, that we were lost, that we were outside of of God's forgiveness and mercy in our lives. But God gave us life. He called us forth just like Lazarus. He says, come, out, which by the way, commentators have pointed out that Jesus calls Lazarus by name because you know, if he's standing at the graveyard and he just says, come out, it could be like the walking dead all up in there, right? Everybody coming out everywhere. And so Lazarus, you come out, I'm making a point here. Lazarus comes out. But you know what? He's called you by name. He's called me by name. If if we're people of faith, he's called us out from spiritual death, from our sin, from our rebellion, and he said, come out. Come into the freedom that I offer you, right? And just like Lazarus could do nothing on his own power to raise himself up from the dead, we can do nothing in our own power to make ourselves right with God. God did all of that for us through Jesus. We simply believe and receive It in our lives. And we come out of that spiritual death and darkness in our life. And then I think God isn't finished. He saves us, but he also wants to free us. And that's a journey over time. A big theological word is he wants to sanctify us. He wants to make us holy as we follow him in our lives. And so he starts to unwrap us and to set us free. And somebody here today, God is working in your life, he's moving in your heart, and he's calling you, hey, come forward and unwrap her from that addiction in her life and set her free. Unwrap him from that unworthiness he feels in his life and set him free. Unwrap her from that abuse that she went through and set her free. Unwrap him from that anxiety that he's wrestling with and set him (laughs) free. Free. He wants to peel away those layers so that we can walk in freedom as the people God has called us to be. You got to walk through the mess to get to the miracle. But remember, your mess is the perfect environment for a miracle. So keep believing, keep going. And you know, there's a fascinating moment in this story where Jesus walks right up to the tomb, and as he's on his way, it's the shortest verse in the whole Bible. It's two words. It says, Jesus wept. Jesus wept, which is a powerful image for all of us to remember that even though we believe he was God in the flesh, even though he had power, even though he could do miracles, he's not unmoved by pain, and by struggle, and by situ- And even though he knew what he was gonna do, as he moves towards that tomb, the Bible says he Jesus wept, wept. And the people were around, they were watching him. And they said this, and you can read about it in the Gospel of John, they said, see how much he loved him. See how much he loved him. Just because Jesus didn't meet Mary and Martha's original expectations. That doesn't diminish the fact that he dearly loved Lazarus. And I believe he dearly loves you. Sometimes in the middle you just gotta pause and see how much he loves you. He came from heaven in the form of a child, into humble circumstances, and navigated all the complexities of life in a simple family because he loves you. See how much he loves you. He taught his disciples for three years and trained them so that they would take God's word to the nations, but his disciples, they didn't get it many times. They were often jockeying for position and power. They they, they were slow to come around the corner. And then some of them abandoned him at the very end when he needed them most, but he did it for you, and he did it for me, see how much he loves you. And then he went through all of the drama of a false trial, of false accusations, of, you know, situation after situation where he was lied about, where his character was smeared. He was beaten with a cat of nine tails, which they would lay over your back and rip up and rip the flesh off his back. Probably by the time he carried the the cross, or at least the cross beam, which would have weighed 75 to 100 pounds, up to what they call Golgotha, which means the place of the skull. By that time in his, um, in, his, in his day, he would have been in pre-state shock. And each step he took for you and for me, the blood he shed was for you and for me. See how much he loves you. And then he hung on that cross. And when he hung there, he said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they're doing. See how much. See how much he loves you. And they placed him in a tomb for three days. And then the women went to the tomb. It's a significant thing how often the women are getting it done in the Bible. Just saying. The women went to the tomb. And it was to the women that the announcement was made by the angel. He's not here. He is risen. And see how much. He loves you. And then he sent his spirit to work in our hearts and lives today. He sent his love to work through us today. Because in a lot of ways, we're in the middle. We're in the middle from his resurrection and his ascension into heaven, and what the Bible looks forward to as his coming again. We're in the middle. What do you do in the middle? You keep going in the middle. You keep believing in the miracle. You realize that, hey, this mess is the perfect environment for a miracle. And the greatest miracle is the miracle God can do inside each and every one of us. Some of you just need to be reminded today to pause and look again and see how much he loves you. Remember again when you were alone, when things were upside down, when you didn't know how you were going to move forward, how God was there for you, how he walked with you, how he saw you through that situation remember again when other people had written you off and said there's no hope for you and there's no chance for you when God still walked with you and forgave you and restored you see how much he loves you man this world is a mess but all that matters in the mess is that we look above it all and remember the God who loves us. That's what's gonna get us through. And that in many ways is the only thing that's gonna get us through. See how much he loves you. Some of you, you're here today and you've never crossed the line of faith. And I'd love to just invite you to place your faith and your trust in Jesus Christ today to see again how much He loves you. So if you're ready to become a follower of Jesus today, if God has been moving in your heart and in your life, I just want to lead you in a simple prayer to open your heart and to respond to God and to begin that spiritual journey. So would all of you please bow your heads and close your eyes. And if you'd like to become a follower of Jesus, you can begin that journey by repeating this prayer after me. Say, dear God, I thank you for loving me. Thank you for sending Jesus into the world. I believe he died on the cross for my sins. I believe he rose again. Forgive me for my sins. Give me the gift of eternal life. Help me face the challenges that I'm up against. God, I surrender my life to you. In Christ's name. And friends, with every head bowed and every eye closed, if that's your prayer today, if it's your commitment, I want to ask you to just slip your hand in the air. Just make eye contact with me just to say before God, to say to me, you're going to follow him in your life today. God bless you guys. Thank you. Thank you. Just reach out to him today. God, we love you. I thank you for each person reaching out to you today, and I pray you'll fill them with your goodness, your peace, your compassion. God, may they go forward from today knowing that your spirit is inside of them, that your forgiveness rests in their life, that the hope of heaven is something they can hang on to each day, and that your presence is with them no matter what the situation. God, we love you. We commit ourselves to you in Christ's name.